The great thing about being a dog owner is you stop caring. <laughs> Look at this. You stop caring. Look at this. I know. Oh my. God. So do you have to bath him every time? He looks like something out of Doctor Who. Oh my God. This week on Walking the Dog, I went for a stroll in London's Kenwood with one of Pop's most enduring and successful partnerships, Martin Kemp and Shirley Kemp and their toy poodle Pops. I'm not sure these two need any sort of introduction. It's Martin and Shirley, for heaven's sake. But just to give you a quick reminder, they met 40 years ago when Martin was the handsome bass player in Spandau Ballet and Shirley was the glam blonde singer in Wham! Martin went on to become a hugely successful actor, starring in The Craze and EastEnders, while Shirley became a devoted mum to their kids Roman and Harley. And now for the first time ever, they've decided to perform together. They've released an album called In The Swing Of It, and it was fascinating chatting to them both about how they first met all those years ago. They told me about George Michael coming on their first date, the really tough time they went through when Martin discovered two brain tumours, and why they're both fanatical dog people. Do check out their album, by the way, in the swing of it, which is really lovely. And you can also catch them live at the Birmingham Symphony Hall on February the 16th and in Manchester at the Bridgewater Hall on the 23rd. I really hope you enjoy my chat with them. I love them. I'm moving in. Here's the Kemps. Oh, sorry, yeah, this is how it always is. This is only real life. I'm so excited. Look, Shirley's steaming ahead. Yeah. Is Shirley the main dog walker, Martin? Be honest. Uh, no. 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 Absolutely not. No, we, we, it's a job that we both I would say love. Martin's more persistent yeah. and he does like two walks a yeah, day. Yeah, it's because I know that when the dogs go out, the happiest time of their day and the thing that they look forward to the most in their life is their walk. Yeah. And you can literally see their face go from being really solid to being really happy. One of our dog literally smiles the whole walk. Yeah, you can see them smiling. So dog walking isn't isn't a chore at all. It is one of the biggest pleasures in my life. Well, you say that, you haven't been on one with me yet. (laughs) (laughs) I can soon change that opinion. No, it is the most big, it is the biggest pleasure in your life because you see how happy they are. Yeah. And their, I always find their sort of curiosity and enthusiasm for the world, yeah. it makes you see the world slightly differently. Oh, also, it's a big chance. You know, I always feel like that the moments that I daydream the most and get the most done in my head, you know, because like the work that we live in, the work that we do, is a lot about daydreaming, isn't it? Because yeah. that's how you create things, ideas. And um, the... the the biggest point for me in my day that I daydream and get more done is if I'm in the bath or if I'm uh, walking my dog. Oh, I like that. She's, he's quite low maintenance, Shirley. All he, he needs is a walk and a bath. He is I know. That. I'm even lower. I just need a walk. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you formally because I'm very excited to have my favourite couple ever. Oh, Don't tell any of my friends that on the podcast. This is Walking the Dog. I'm Emily Dean and I'm with the very wonderful Martin Kemp and Shirley Holloman. Should I call you Holloman or Kemp? I was Holloman a long time ago. I don't, yeah, Kemp, definitely. Shirley Kemp? Yeah. Yeah, but she's, she's become more Holloman in the last few weeks since we've been doing a record. Everyone seems to go I back know. to being Holloman. Yeah, it shocks Shirley me. Holloman. I'm thinking, Shirley Holloman, who's that? Oh, well, no, that was me. <laughs> Even when they first made the record, right, and they, we sort of went in to see this record sleeve, 
the first day. This is, we you should said, say, this is in the swing of it, which is your al yeah. album, which is out at the moment. Well, it yeah. was out at Christmas, yeah. before, just yeah. before Christmas. Yeah. But we went in to see the artwork and everything, and it was Shirley Holloman all over it. I thought, where did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Something you don't that? know. No, well, I think when you've got a family and your children are Kemp's, you're like, no, don't leave me out. I'm, I'm Kemp. Well, we should say, you two have been together for, it's... Well, 40 years. Nearly 40, 40 years. 40 years. Yeah. And mar years. you married in 88, is that 88, right? 88, so married yes. 31 years. Yeah. And well, let's go back to the beginning. We're going to introduce your dog first. Yeah. So we're at Kenwood, which is... You're North London people, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And introduce your dog. So this is little... Pops, Popsy, Pops, whatever I feel in the mood to call well, her. Well, her name is Pops. Pops, well, it's not really. She's called Florence. Oh, yeah, officially. I called her Florence yeah. when I first got her after my oh, grandmother. And no one could say it, so that's why she ended up Pops, but she's officially Florence. She's absolutely adorable. Um, she should have been Flossy Florence, though, because she's got a flossy head. So, yeah. um, and what breed she is she? She is a toy poodle. She's beautiful. And I kind of grew up with, my, my dad had every type of dog you can imagine, but I, my first dog we had was a toy poodle. Yeah. So I have a real thing for toy poodles, because I know them, I know their characters. So. Uh, and what are their characters? Uh, they, they are really sensitive, they love hugs, they, she loves getting up, jumping up on the seat. <laughs> and I can really feel we're absorbing energy between us, like she's giving it to me, I'm giving it to her. It's incredibly healing and therapeutic. And they're, they're really loving and they're fun. I mean, she's quite an athlete. But she's you see, inquisitive. Shirley, well, Martin, she? can you help me? Your <laughs> dog sniffing. People. Boy dogs sniff a lot more. Is that than what it dogs. is? Yeah. Martin, yeah. can you confirm? What? Well, why is he. Oh, now another dog's got involved. Ray's going he's on. He's a sniffer. Well, I don't know, but he stops every five minutes. Yeah, he's a sniffer, yeah. isn't he? Well, what, is, what? That's what I'm like when I go How shopping. <laughs> I'm just stopping every five How minutes. He? He's three. How old? How old? He's three. He's three. Oh, really young, man. It's quite serious for three, I feel. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Come on, Oh, Ray. he's having a stretch now. It's that fur coat you've got on him. Yeah. I know. It's quite long. I know, but I do like it. Yeah, he's beautiful. I always wanted a dog that looked like Dougal. Oh, he's beautiful. Oh, you know, he's a magic roundabout. Like oh, you've got one now. Yeah. I know. Oh, look, he's walking a bit better. He's good now. on hardwood floors, though. You can polish them up. I know. <laughs> Honestly, you want he to does. put Raymond into Crufts. Well, when I took, I took Ed Miliband on this podcast, and yeah. he, he said, uh, Raymond is lovely, but he does look like a toupee. Ed Miliband's called my dog a toupee. So you guys, I mean, this is sort of was your manor, wasn't it, for a long time? But you're, was, you're still so north, you're Hertfordshire, aren't you? Yeah, yeah but, but we lived... Um, we had our babies here, Yeah. our kids went to school in Not in Kenwood, London. I should say. Well, but you, not uh, to be honest, <laughs> practically, because we had a house on Hampstead Lane, yeah. which, opened, which our, backed Our garden onto, backed onto yeah. this heath. So no. in the e Sunday evenings, we would open the windows up and, and hear the band playing from Kenwood and, and see the fireworks going up. Wow. So it's so beautiful here, isn't it? it? I love it. Yeah. So, Shirley and Martin, I want to go back to the very beginning. Yeah. Talk me through your childhood. It's like therapy, isn't it? Wow. Um, Martin, you grew up in Islington, is that Islington, right? Islington, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Islington. My mum uh, was a school dinner lady. My dad was a printer, but we had absolutely no money. We were as poor as you can imagine. You know, the outside toilet, the, no bathroom. It was... Uh, a house that was shared by, uh, it was kind of like three-storey Georgian Terrace that 
that was the council house. The, at the bottom floor was uh, some old lady that we never knew lived there. And uh, it was the rent collection station, right? So as you came through the passage, it would be where everybody queued up in the area to pay their rent. At the end oh. of the passage, there was like that a little hole in the wall where somebody used to sit behind and it was like glass slats and she would what take the rent. Mean? And then you would walk up the stairs and there would be our house, but there's no doors, you know, in those days on really? the different land. It would just be landings. So you had, um, you got to the first landing and that was ours, where we had a bedroom, two bedrooms and a kitchen. And, Raymond's and, uh, quite far behind. Come on, Raymond. Come on, Ray. Oh, here he, here he is. Come, Come on, Ray. <laughs> and then upstairs we had a, our aunts and cousins. And so, you know, it was quite a, a nice little community in there we had a kind of family house but it was council and, and uh, it was you and your brother gary you know, me and gary we shared a bedroom there and we had nothing yeah, i remember my parents crying over the fact they couldn't buy meat and dinner and you really? know, shoes so we had zero yeah and what was your background like shirley because you came from were you from bushy i was yeah from bushy um grew up on a council estate on in a three-bedroom house with five kids so I shared a bedroom with my two sisters and um, it was quite chaos quite noisy yeah um, but my dad loved animals my dad was this huge kind of six foot six quite angry builder <laughs> quite <laughs> yeah had a he was like Zeus like the god once he shouted everyone knew about it but his big what melted his heart was animals so um we grew up with always had dogs in the house yeah so i think that's where my passion for animals came but what i noticed was when my dad was around animals he was much happier became a totally different he humanized animals yeah, but apart so from that i think he had terrible depression that. and anger issues so oh, um it wasn't cool. it was a hard childhood in a lot of ways and actually shirley what's interesting is again, that's something you would recognise now he might get help for, he might have therapy. Oh, I'm, I'm so sad about that, yeah. to think that you wouldn't have even mentioned the word depression. Yeah. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have understand how many signs there are of depression. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, my dad, he would have had a totally different life if, if he'd actually been diagnosed, because he was really eccentric as well. Was he? Yeah. But because he was big, people just got out of his way and let him do what he wanted, so... So that meant that when you <coughs> met, you, would you say that you're back, you came from sort of similar backgrounds in some ways? Um, not really, because I think Martin's mum and dad were a lot happier than my parents. Yeah. I don't think Martin experienced the kind of atmosphere that I'd grown up in. Yes. Um, no, when I went to Rancher Shirley's first time, I'll never forget that the atmosphere was so bad. You know, her dad was sitting in the chair, but her dad... Uh, God bless him. I think he suffered dementia yeah. much earlier than we ever realised. You know, there were problems, and it was before kind of dementia was up front and people were recognising it as much. Mm. And uh, I think he suffered from that really early on, and people just weren't realising. Mm. You know, I mean, I remember a time when he's a big old Hulk bulk of a man he was and he came downstairs and he just come out of the bathroom do you remember Shirley yeah. and he was going up the pub and he was wearing he, he was wearing Shirley's mum's Charlie, Charlie perfume perfume and I thought but he'd covered himself in it yeah and he was smelling <laughs> like a woman 
And it was like bizarre. Yeah. All these bizarre things. And everyone said to him, what are you wearing? And he said, Charlie. But I think he, maybe he thought if I wear women's perfume, women will like it. Well, I I, uh, just think he had dementia much earlier on than anyone realised, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That he thought people were listening in on him all the time. You know, he thought next door neighbours were listening. Yikes. We are literally we'll go in here, like a guys. swamp. Ray, no, we're, you're not going in that. I think we need to go I'm worried about Ray because he could get lost in the swamp. Come on, Ray. Come on, Ray. Come on, Shirley's sinking. We'll go here. It's going to be like yeah. a Tarzan movie. This is it? my worst thing, mud. What is? I hate mud. Oh, I don't like it mud. It really goes through to <clears> my I prefer soul. mud to rain, like though. I don't like mud or rain. I no. like If it's going to be winter, I'd prefer a real What are you like? I like walking crisp. the dog in the rain. Don't oh, you? Do no, you? I don't. I love it. No, I think men like that. Yeah, Martin's quite it. hardcore on Yeah, but men like that because they think they're being like a sort of Bear Grylls thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd prefer That's a what it is. You can get my camping just... knife out and everything. <laughs> what, well, in Kenwood? In yeah. Yeah. Martin and his camping knife. Yeah. Oh, it's been hell out there, Shirley, in MW3 today. You, I went to... Anna Scher's, the drama school in North yeah. London. I think you went there. I'm saying you, you went there, there too. Like, yeah. I would have been there a bit, sort of after you, I think. I was there sort yeah, of in the 80s. Been, yeah. But I, you, everyone talked about you. And I can remember seeing pictures of them yeah. on the wall. The as you like, go yeah, in. I know Martin and Gary Kemp went here. Forget, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, I loved it. Though. You know, I honestly, Anna Scher's drama theatre, the first one, happened inside Bentham Court in Islington. Right. It was right across the road from my house. So Gary went there early yeah, on, a girl. as soon as it opened. But I was the shyest little boy you can ever imagine. Really? And my mum put me there really to get rid of my shyness, oh. not to turn me into an actor. And so, it, but when I went there, I loved it. What Anna was doing for the local area was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it, was a, it was all these kids that, that never had another chance in life. She was given given them the idea that there was a way out. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was all these kids that that never had another chance in life. She was given given them the idea that there was a way out. Yeah, and uh, she did incredible things. And for me and Gary, I honestly believe that Anna Sher gave me my personality. Really, she built my personality for me. Yeah. I think you're so lucky to have... That's one thing I would love, being in a big family of five kids. Yeah. Um, I was really ignored. Were you? And I loved to dance, sing. If I had had something like Anna Shera open up where we lived, that would have been my saving grace, but... Did you think you were going to go into singing and dancing then, Shirley, at Um, that point, or...? Did you want to be a singer? Or did I wanted you want to be a ballerina. The first thing, and I was um, I can see really, you as a ballerina. Uh, double, double <laughs> jointed. She's got the legs. I could stand on my toes when I was younger. I would dream, play around, dance, and everyone would say, get out of the way, sit down. So <laughs> I naturally think I should be, should have been, and then can't get out now, we're locked in. <laughs> we just have to go out Hang here. on, Martin Kemp, old Bear Grylls can help us. Yeah, get your head knife out. I have got the screwdriver <laughs> with me today. We'll have to um, walk round. Oh dear, we're Will trapped. we climb over? We can climb over, yeah. I mean, I'd be prepared to. I'm happy to climb over. We're climbing over the fence. Oh, I'm not doing it as well as these two. They're country people. Mind shot. What's happened to him? Oh, poor Ray. He just got a a He's carrying half a forest with him. (laughs) In his foot. (laughs) On his undercarriage. (coughs) He he needs to go to the waxer. Come on, Ray. So, yeah, so you had wanted to be a singer, you were saying. No, no, you wanted to be a ballerina. You know what? The one thing my mum and dad loved was music. So I learned, I loved, I got my love of music from my dad because on a Sunday he'd play all these Beatles, every 
type of record you can imagine and he taught me to jive yeah so that was my other association with my dad when my dad was in a good mood was when he played music so they are the biggest things I've inherited is, is my love for music and my love for animals from my dad oh, because that's when he was in his good mood yeah. so as a child you picked that up and my mum used to sit down and we used to watch all the gorgeous old Hollywood movies and I'd literally feel every emotion and just think, oh, I just want to be one of those actresses when I wake up. Well, wake up. Uh, I'll look a little chihuahua. He's a cutie. No, is there a chihuahua in your family? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Roman's got a chihuahua. Roman, your son has got one. I've seen Luna, so we look after her a lot. Little Luna. <laughs> I've had so many different breeds of dogs. I love it. So I love it when you see them, you know well, all their look, characters. They're, look, they're, they're sort of playing. Pops, oh, are they? Pops was getting the confidence up with Ray there. I want to know your dog voices, okay? Because this is mine, which is quite an intimate, embarrassing thing, is how yeah. you talk to your dog. Yeah. And I, I say, good boy, Ray Ray. Good boy, Ray Ray. Ray good boy. When no one's looking. So, Shirley, I want to hear your dog um, voice, please. So when I speak to Harley's dog, Oscar, yeah. hey, mummy boy, hey, mummy boy. Ooh. And when I speak to Pops, it'll be Pops, hey, mummy girl. She's mummy's girl. So with her, I go much higher. And with the boy dog, I go, oh, mummy boy. I want to wait until the leaf bright. That's safely gone now. Because Martin Kemp is not getting away without doing his dog voice on this my, podcast. My dog voice? I don't really, don't really have, have one. one. He no. does on he the does side. Don't. I talk to him uh, the same as I talk to anyone else. And I, I like it like that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Mar- I think it's more of a girls' thing, anyway. Do you think so? A, like, yeah. I don't. You know, when the kids were babies, I didn't have baby voices. No. But I don't have a dog voice really. I just talk to them like another person. Are you? Do, you're very good with the poo bags, I notice. Uh, you got to be, haven't you? But oh, we do. You know, we try and get a. I worry about the poo bags. But eco-friendly ones. Yeah, we try get, and get, I get. I do. I get the, the green ones. ones. The green ones. Yeah. I want to go back to Sorry, when yeah. you guys met, and I know yes. everyone is endlessly fascinated by your relationship. And what I find interesting about that is, I suppose it kind of says so much about how rare it is, in a way, that yeah. a couple stays together as a family. That it's just, oh my god, they're in showbiz and they're still together. And the story of how you met is pretty famous, but I can't get enough of it. So <laughs> I'd like to hear again. Martin, I know when you first saw Shirley because she was wearing a white dress. Yeah, she was on top Sunshine. of the pops. Yeah, I was, uh, I was at my mum and dad's house and I was sitting with my back up against the sofa on the floor. You know how you do. And um, watching Total Pops on a Thursday night and Wham came on doing Young Guns. And it was the first time that I ever saw Shirley. And she was wearing that beautiful white dress. Which uh, one? Because I'm, ver- I'm very Kaplan specific. Yes, I still have this. Was it the tight one or the... Yeah, the fish house. A, I know it. Yes, it's front. quite short in the front. And uh, she was wearing that. And it, it was kind of like I fell in love through the television <laughs> screen, which was really odd. But, but that's how it was. <clears throat> you were in Spandau Ballet at that point and you were sort yeah. of pretty successful yourself, weren't you? Well, reasonably, you know. Oh, you were. And we were only we were only uh, two albums in, you know, and the second album didn't do that well. You know, we we struggled on the second album like a lot of groups do, you know, and um, the first album did really well. The second album, we only had one hit on and that was chart number one. And did you want to go into music from a young age? I was in love with charisma 
I was in love with anybody who had charisma. And I didn't really understand what it was at that time, you know. I was in love with Bruce Lee and Marlon Brando, Elvis Presley, and all of that. Anybody that was shone out from everybody else, You're kind of I loved. And it was kind of like, that's what I wanted. Yeah. You know, I wanted, and I didn't know what it was, whether it was acting, or whether it was being in a band or, or anything. But I just wanted, I loved that charisma that people had. And so for me, when I was 17 and I left school and my dad said to me, what do you want to do? Um, he, my dad got me an apprenticeship in the print, which for my area... And this and is the, the print works. Yeah, yeah, and for my area and for uh, the amount of qualifications that I walked out of school with, which weren't very many, um, it was a really good job. Yeah. So, but I knew that the happy people that I'd ever met in my life were ones that were doing their hobbies. At that point, because you joined, it was Gary, your brother, that started the band, wasn't it? Yeah. And then he asked you to join, or oh, he was a bit reluctant for you to join. Gary was <laughs> reluctant, yeah. Um, it was my mum who told him, you you know, <laughs> you, take him with you or not at all. So uh, it was... What I like about that is your mum acting like a sort of lad's no, night out. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was I was uh, um, Steve Norman, who was the uh, saxophone player in the band. He was having his 18th birthday party, and I was standing next to a guy called Steve Dagger, yes. who is the manager of Spandau Ballet uh, now. And um, he said to me, completely out of the blue while we were drunk, I want you to be in the band. And this was a dream for me because yeah. the year, previous year I'd just been like the roadie. I'd been carrying their equipment. I'd been setting it up on stage. I'd, you know, watch them play. And it's I a lovely was, roadie, Shirley. I was so jealous. You can't imagine. All I wanted was to be in that band. That's all I ever wanted. I used to go to bed at night dreaming that I was in the band. So when Steve Dagger said to me, I want you to be in the band, it was like this massive door of opportunity that opened up yeah. for me. And, um, and I walked through it, you know, and I had to talk to Gary because Gary wasn't that sure about the idea because, you know, he didn't want his little brother following him around. No. So uh, well, that's interesting, I ended though, up in the band. Because I feel that Shirley sort of, that was similar for you in some ways. In that yeah, you... I think we've definitely had very similar beginnings. Yeah. Um, in the fact where we were in life like I'd kind of been this person who loved all that dance music but was ignored and there's Martin next to his brother who's in the band getting the limelight yeah so we both kind of wanted it and then how did you end up in Whammers because you you were dating I'm sorry to mention this Martin I don't want it to be awkward but Shirley was dating Andrew Ridgely just so you know yeah but he's uglier than me (laughs) that was a long time ago (laughs) You see, I'm impressed that you can be such close friends with Andrew. I'm very, right. I need you to never exist anymore no, once I've dated them. No. Listen, Martin's I, so confident. Listen, I'm old enough person, and wise. So that's what's good. I'm old enough and wise enough yeah, to cope exactly. with more than you can imagine. I can handle when they were 17, 18. That's yeah, okay. exactly. So what did... Um, so with the initial, really the real truth of it was that George, me and Andrew were incredible friends. I'd kind of been this punky girl before I met them. Oh, really? So they kind of thought I had this edge to me, yeah. and I drove a car, and they were younger. But all three of us really just got on and just loved music. And we'd go to George's bedroom, and they were in this band that wasn't working, yeah. called The Executive. 
But then what we would do was make up dance routines in George's bedroom and then we'd go to this club and George and I or George and Andrew would dance to, to like, you know, New Romantic, um, Heaven, not Heaven 17, Human League. Oh, I love Don't that. Don't You Want Me Baby. I remember that song yeah. so much, dancing yeah. to that. And uh, that just formed such a deep bond for us. Oh, my goodness. This is Squelch. <laughs> Give me a minute. I'll get my crampons. You lost the plot that we were doing the interview. You walked off. Well, because I started. I to was tell, starting to sink. I started to tell my story. No, I know, but I was sinking. And you walked off as if you'd had enough of it. Sure, I was just about to call for help. <laughs> the great thing about being a dog owner is you <laughs> stop caring. Look at this. You stop caring. Look at this. I know. Oh my. Raymond. So do you have to bath him every time? Raymond. He looks like something out of Doctor Who. Oh my god! How dare you, Martin? Kent. He does though. <laughs> I'm just sent with all this mud on him. And... He's beautiful. Way way. Oh my god! Oh look, there's a. We're picking all the bits out oh, of you. Yikes! I don't think we're going to have to take you to the groomers. Yeah. Way, way. What were those little Furby things that <laughs> Doctor Who had in the seventies? He looks like a Furby. They had a silver no. ball in them. <laughs> Come on, you. So um. Shall we, we, uh, we even bother with? I don't know. No. Let's just forget my story because it's, it's not very. It's a good story. It's not you very tell good. Can we, should, I, should I move forward a bit? Anyway, well, no, so what have happened? Yeah. But I always I saw a picture of Martin in a magazine, and I was like, oh my god, who is that? He not only is he good looking, but I always say this and it's repetitive, but he looked really kind, and I remember laughing when I think I said to George. Oh, God, looks really kind. He went, oh, don't be stupid. He's just good-looking. You know, good-looking good people look kind. I was going, no, no, it's not that. So and then I became a bit obsessed with asking every photo shoot. That, then Wham got, you know, got, were on TV, etc. And we used to do these photo shoots for magazines. I used to ask everyone, do you know Martin Kemp? And then one day I said to this photographer, do you know Martin Kemp? He went, yeah. I said, do you? I really like him. Where does he go? Where does he? And he said he goes to the WAG club. So we were starting to go to the WAG club anyway, because it was yeah. kind of... I just drove everyone up the wall. Do, excuse me, anyone I'd pass, excuse me, do you know Martin Kemp? So I went to the WAG club and I saw him. We all went to a premiere at a theatre. And my friend said to me, spand out here. But that night I had no makeup on. It's quite tomboyish, wasn't very girly, despite the dress. I kind of naturally just wore trousers and all the time. And Martin was there that night. I'm getting out of breath now. <laughs> and uh, he gave you his number. Come he came on. over, and he had more <gasps> makeup on than I did. He had more hair and hairspray than I had. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no! I didn't know he wore that makeup. But he gave me his number. But it was 1982. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what pop stars pop stars wore in the 80s. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't like new romantic makeup. It was like. I want to be Liberace. Elvis makeup. Yeah, it was more Liberace. No, oh, it yeah. wasn't Liberace, it was Elvis. <laughs> so he gave me his number and I kept that number because in our days, once again, we didn't have mobile phones. So if you called this number, it was the house landline. Yeah. And normally the parents would answer it. And George gets into me, you've got his number. I can't believe you're not calling him. I was just so shy and scared and thought, oh, he doesn't really want me to call him. And anyway, so we were at George's house and he ran to his sister's phone, dialed the number and just handed me the phone. He's going, we've got to, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. 
I think because he wanted to be friends with Spandau because he was a massive Spandau fan. Yeah. So it's a kind of kudos for him as well. And Martin Bum answered. And I thought, oh, how many girls must be calling to speak to Martin? And I thought, I'm just another girl calling. And I said, can I speak to Martin, please? And she, then Martin the came on. Oh, there. nice. Yeah, let's go. Martin came on the phone and went, I'm so glad you called me. And I just felt this light go on, like genuine. He really oh. was genuinely pleased I called him. And then you so, went on the first date and... George Michael came along on your date, which is rather strange. Well, it wasn't strange because I lived in Bushy with my get down get, with my parents. So I had to drive all the way up to London, and I didn't want to go on my own. So I said to him, "Would you come with me?" And him being quite a Spandau fan, I think he was quite keen to come because we didn't know anyone famous. You've got you got to remember here. Right? The truth of it is, he, he wasn't the George Michael at that yeah, point. Yeah, he was up and coming. He was coming. Shirley's mate. Spandau were bigger he than He was us. in a band. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, he was just man. a kid in, yeah, in Wham yeah. then. So um, he was quite keen. But all he kept saying to me was, I remember on that night, all he kept saying, oh, I just want what you've got. I just want what you've got. Spandau have got. I just want that. And and I what thought, was that, Martin? Mm, that it was the success. And it was like the fact that... That recognition, um, I guess. Yeah, and the fact that people were listening to our records in America. And yeah. he kept saying to me, I want that. That's what I want. And it was that critical sort of... Do you think it was that as well? That idea of being taken seriously, I suppose? Well, yeah. I weren't taken seriously yeah, at the time. I, I remember it clearly. And I remember deep knowing deep mm. inside how... T- I knew how talented George was. And I knew really? that he'd be there a lot. You know, his music would go on a lot longer than most of the bands that were out there. Yeah. I just knew that about him because it was just so obvious, his talent. Yeah. But I remember, yeah, people going, oh, disposable bands like Worm. And, and but I he thought, was no, very no. clever with it because yeah. what he created was he opened the door for himself with a bubblegum pop. But as soon as he could, he moved out. And he, he was really clever with it. Yeah. He, you know, he could have been really kind of... Um, uh, played safe and kept going with that but he yeah. didn't he stopped and he moved into something more serious and stepped up uh, and that was his way in which yeah. uh, is really bright did you know he was coming on the date what happened did i i didn't know no i went to meet shirley <laughs> because you remember, i didn't know martin and i wasn't experienced so she, in dating i thought all. we were going like on my a date. First date really i thought we were me and shirley were going on a date and it wasn't that at all she'd brought her mate and yeah, it all well, became more like intimidated by you know the whole Spandau lot. I felt kind of like <coughs> the little girl next door, to be honest, who's really? kind of met the pop star. Yeah, I did feel that. You see, it's weird, because I used to look at you on Tour the Pops and I thought, God, imagine being that woman. I really remember that. I, you were so sort of confident and leggy and cool. And I wonder back then, you don't realise whether that was a, you know... Oh, it's an act. Yeah. Thank You know, from all those movies that I used to watch, Doris Day films and Greta Garb, you know, all the old Hollywood films. I used to see how they acted and thought, OK, when you go on television, yeah. you've got to act it's confident. It's all a facade, isn't yeah. it? You know. Were you shy as well? I when you were performing I was terrible. When I was with Spandau. Yeah. No, by then I'd shaken it off. I was the shyest little boy you can ever imagine when I was... Uh, nine or ten uh, and that's why my mum and dad put me to drama school but by then I'd done like a whole list of TV shows mm. from uh, uh, Comedy Playhouse, Play for Today, all of those 1970 TV shows. I'd love to have had that experience. Yeah. That you had. But you know I think what's interesting and I don't know what you feel about this I felt doing acting as a kid mm. it is really good for your confidence mm. but in yeah. a strange way what it does do what it can do is get you used to being on 
do you know mm. what I mean? That was the only thing. So it was like, oh, if I'm like this and bubbly and and then yeah. there became a sort of slight when you're on and when you're mm. not on. Sort yeah. of, do you know what yeah. I mean? Oh, absolutely. I can see that. Yeah. But for me, it was about, it became, I think, I worked so much as a kid. Yeah. I did like something like, by the time I was uh, 15, I'd like... 30 TV shows behind me yeah. and uh, it became my personality yeah. it wasn't on or off that was me yeah and uh, because I, I think but when I first went to drama school I, I didn't have that personality so it just became me that's when, when I was saying earlier I said I think Anna Sher gave me my personality it tapped into that side yeah. of you that was probably yeah. an extrovert wanting to come out yeah. but I think also when you see people sort of not settling down in that way not having that stability and that family life you know, I expect you did have, having you saying, don't be a dick, Martin. I'm not sure, I'm not saying you ever said that. <laughs> but that's important, isn't it? To have someone who knew you before all that. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely is. I think, though, um, the way that I look at mine and Shirley's relationship is the same way that my mum and dad showed me how to, I think my mum and dad taught me how to love yeah. and how to uh, be inside a relationship, you know, by watching them, you know. So uh, I think a lot of that goes down to them as well. Um, we need to talk about your collaboration because I'm very excited about this and I love it, by the way. <laughs> I've heard it and it is so brilliant. Oh, and you've got a fantastic you. voice. I've forgotten how beautiful your voice is. Thank, thank you. you. It really is. So much yeah, fun. It's amazing singing with Martin. I mean, that's what, you know what the shock of it was because I'm obviously in my late 50s, didn't think I'd ever be working, just thought Martin's the one who works and I love being at home with the dog. I really love being at home with the dogs. It was such a shock for me to go back out and sing because I was like, well, I don't do that anymore. That's, that's someone who I used to be. And as soon as I went in the studio, I just enjoyed it so much and realised how much of myself I'd actually closed down all those years. It's like, why did I close myself down to that? But I think really it was because when we were younger and in bands, there was a lot of pressure and we didn't have that pressure with this album. It was, it was just see how it does. It doesn't matter how it does. Right. I, I think so. what the album did for Shirley though was more than just singing. It was, I think Shirley as a person had just plateaued, you know, and become, it was starting to become kind of stagnant. You know, and uh, I'm, trying to, I'm no, trying to take no, that as a positive. Hang on, I'm getting to the good bit. Stagnant? No, I'm saying you plateaued. But I, th I can tell you this that when we did the album, Shirley's mojo was switched back on. And yeah. not just for in a relationship, but, but in life, her mojo was switched back on. All of a sudden, she was more interested in stuff. She was, she's come to life again. Well, I'm and a creative person, and I yeah. like the creative journey of you know the photo shoots the video yeah. the imagery um, choosing the music finding songs that you're singing with intention that means something to you not like these pop songs that are just endless you know you were a creative person you were making music you were performing you wanted to have kids mm. obviously and that's a form of creating and creating yeah. lives yeah. and yeah. identities and then those kids go off and leave the nest and, and then you're like yeah, that was right, a I want a project time. now that was a really empty <laughs> time for me it yeah. was exactly that that's yeah. what I'm talking about when Shirley had plateaued when yeah. the kids left yeah. home and <laughs> I'm just saying you were stagnant I just, <laughs> oh, please <laughs> I'm just <laughs> we've just moved on no, no, from no. stagnant I, I am saying right that Shirley had just plateaued you know the kids had left home everyone has plateaued Shirley had left home <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the kids had left I'm home. Really un- I was stuck on the kids had left home. Plateaued on and the bench. me and Shirley <laughs> were both suffering from empty nest syndrome. Yeah. Both of us were. Yeah. You know, when Harley left home, it was hard for Shirley, and when Roman left home, it was really hard for me. Because mm. you don't just lose them; you lose all their mates, and you lose all the noise, and you yeah, lose all yeah. the bringing their schoolwork home, and all of that. And um, for Shirley making the album, it was like putting the switch back on and uh, saying, here it is, there's a new part to life that we never it's discovered. being connected again. I always yeah. say you lose yourself when you're disconnected, which is a much better word than saying stagnant. But disconnected from, you do disconnect. When you become a mother and a wife, <laughs> yeah. you really disconnect from a lot of things and you can lose your confidence. Like Your identity because, is tied in with well, your family. Also, like, yeah. you can go to events with Martin and I could really feel how I was totally ignored because it's Martin, Martin, Martin. And once I'd even got pushed out of the way, I remember thinking, this is insane. I did that by accident. Yeah. Though, <laughs> <didn't> it? <laughs> but, but it's, not that I, I wanted, it's not that I wanted that attention, but it is interesting. Yeah. So interesting watching people's body language. Yeah. And how, you know, I could see people like that around George as well, yeah. how they suddenly fall over themselves to please him. And then I could go to maybe to the same restaurant a week later and they totally have ignored me being rude to everyone. And think, oh, it's funny how you were totally different the other week. <laughs> Kind of makes you lose your confidence yeah. a bit because you kind of got well. I've got nothing to say. No, I haven't done anything that interesting. I've done things meaningful to me, but yeah. nothing that's been on television. I mean, basically, yeah. people are very impressed if you're in magazines and television. It's very narrow. But we lived in LA for a few years, and uh, that this was is after you that's did the, the ultimate of that. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that is incredible. networking city. If you yeah. if somebody sits next to you and they can't get anything out of you. Then they really? move on. To say you really don't quickly. work in LA, we went for a big dinner <clears throat> one night with a lot of actors, and, yeah. and someone sat next to me and goes, Hey, what do you do? And I said, Oh, no, I, I'm just having, I was pregnant with Roman. I'm, yeah. I'm having a baby. I don't work, literally. <laughs> I, the look on his face is, I've come all the way out for dinner. This woman can do me no favour. She is not going to get me anywhere in life. And it, if that, but that's how it is. Back on me. Yeah, but if you say, as... oh, I'm raising my kids, it's like you've just yeah. gone yeah. to the bathroom. Yeah, I'm devoting my life to give <laughs> but, you know, two a good life. You learn you know. quickly out there, as soon as you accept that, then you know where you, you stand. If you go to LA, just bullshit, basically. Don't take it seriously, see it. Don't take it seriously, just that's And that was after you did The Craze. You got cast in, in the craze and then yeah. suddenly both your lives changed because you go to LA, obviously you're getting all these opportunities yeah. and then um, you had a bit of a shit time Yeah. because of, well, you tell me what Well, happened. we were out there, how long were we out there before I was sick? Three years. Quite, three two, years two, we two had years. out there, yeah, three years. And then on the uh, last year, Shirley, we were, uh, we were out there two years and then the uh, riots happened. The Rodney yeah, King riots. riots that was scary. And we got caught right in the middle of that. And it was scary, you know. You, we were, our house was on the beginning of the Hollywood Hill as you overlooked LA. And you could just see like 1,500 fires and warehouses going up in smoke. There were shooters on the buildings. It was terrifying. And we had like Harley there, who was only three, just coming up for yeah. three at the time. Yeah. Mm. So it was terrifying. And so Shirley, quite rightly, wanted to leave. Yeah. And so we showed, I think as soon as the curfew was lifted, we got out of there and that was it for Shirley. You know, she had enough. But also you had that lump on your head that I kept telling you about. Did you feel it? 
Yeah, I could feel this lump on his head. And when we were living in LA, and I said, would you go and see this doctor? And he, I don't know to this day if he did see the doctor. And he just came home and he said, oh, no, he didn't say anything. Well, no, So I don't know if didn't. you did go to the doctor. No, he didn't. He, he didn't say anything, yeah. I mean, it was just like, because it was very difficult. It, it came up really quickly, that lump. Mm. And it wasn't soft tissue lump. Mm. It was the skull. So it was the bone. Default. So it felt like yeah. it was just your skull. Yeah. But you could feel there was a little edge coming up on it. And that edge grew really quickly. And what it was, was that the tumour that had been in there like 10 or 15 years had no more space to go down mm. and push the brain out of the way. So, so it started rare, to come up and it grew into the skull. Incredible. So the skull reacted as if it was broken and to, to protect itself and started to thicken. So, as if you know, when you break your arm, you yeah, get a little yeah, bit of extra yeah. calcium yeah, on it. Yeah, because right? bones are soft fibre anyway, lump. aren't they? So it's just moving. With well, your the body's tumor. trying to heal itself. Yeah, <coughs> yeah so yeah. so it started to thicken, and but that thickness that started to thicken, it's, it went you know it went really quick, and within six weeks it was like huge. So, uh, so we'd come back to England, hadn't we? We're literally living on. No, this I was road. in Vancouver. Oh right, no, but when we came back, which oh yeah, was yeah, up yeah. the road here yeah. on Highgate in Highgate. Yeah. yeah. Um, Martin, yeah. I said to him, please go to the doctor again, the lump's got bigger. I was even asking people to feel it. I said, feel Martin's head, can you feel a lump? And then he went to our local doctors they and they thought, said, oh, going, do you want to feel my husband's <laughs> yeah. lump? Yeah. Excuse me, <laughs> 10 ago. Yeah. But, but I remember, <laughs> I remember being in uh, Vancouver. Yeah, home. but I mean, oh, it kind gosh. of like rammed home to me. I, I was filming in Vancouver. I was doing uh, an episode of uh, The Outer Limits. Yes. Playing this um, scientist that had invented the cure for everlasting life. But yeah. obviously it all goes wrong. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He becomes like, all of a sudden he's 200 years old. And uh, so they were pulling this bald cap on me in makeup. And oh. as they pulled the bald cap on me, everyone went quiet and was looking at it. And it was just mm. so deformed because obviously it just made it stand out even yeah, more. Yeah, of course. And so I flew home from there and I think within a day, I was having it taken out. And I think the saddest thing out of all of that was that when I found out I had the brain tumour is that we had to sell this house in Highgate that we had, the one that we're talking about overlooking this park. Yeah. Uh, because I knew that I had to downsize because yeah. I didn't even know if I was going to get through it. Yeah. So I had to just bring everything in and make everything smaller. Mm. Uh, so we lost that house and, uh, you know, just to um, make sure that everything was in order in case I died, basically. God, how terrifying. That must have been so frightening for you, Shirley. And we sold it terrifying. to, uh, we sold that house to Amanda, Amanda Holden, Holden and Les Dennis. Les Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was terrifying, mainly because I had just had Roman was one and Harley was four, uh, four and a half. And my biggest fear was for my children to lose their dad. That was the scariest feeling. And I kind of felt I went through a really angry phase. I was furious. Yeah. And I'm not the type, what I realised, I'm not very good at asking anyone for help or talking to anyone about it. So I kind of really went in and I got through, I must have bought every self-help book in the 90s that was out there. I had like- Road know, Less Travel. Oh, everything. Yeah. Deepak Chopra, I was into Louise Hay. I mean, everyone, every soul story I could find. I had to find a feng shui. I was talking to Roman about this. He, he tells this great story one day when he comes home and uh, he comes back from school, walks into the living room and there's like five shamans in there blessing 
the house with his crystal bowl healing. And he says he, he there was a point so he just Roman says he just didn't know what was going on. There were all sorts of people. <laughs> yeah, my children him. went through like, I mean that's what's made them so kind of fun they you know open minded you need, now. That's the other thing. That was my therapy. Yeah of course. My kind of spiritual self help yeah. side really kicked in. My music was Alanis Morissette. Oh. I sang my heart out to Did her you? songs because they were such a great release. I wonder if as well, it's interesting when you were talking about just growing up in a family where there was just tension, you carry stuff through like that in your life a bit where asking for help, do you know what I mean? I I suppose I would feel, I think that's quite common if you're someone who just wants to get on and look after things, you Mm. think well at least if I go to someone external I'm not bothering the family with it's it. It's exactly that. Do you know what it's, I mean? That's what therapy is. That's, yeah. Is that you're talking to a stranger. My feeling was works. no that's one can help me because I was angry because I remember saying to, because Martin had two brain tumors <clears> at the same time and I was angry with the surgeon when I said, why has he got them? He said, we don't know. That answer, yeah. my jaw just dropped. And I was like, what do you mean? I just felt like, why doesn't he know? I'm going to have to find out. So that kind of just led me on to thinking about the mind body spirit why do we get sick what's it got to do with our thoughts and our health and i really opened up huge information and i and i still think to this day all that what i went learn helped me help martin get better mm. really yeah. oh listen without a doubt you know shirley saved my life because um mm. no no without a doubt because uh, i remember you know, there was, I actually just said I had two brain tumours, you know, one, the big one on the outside that they cut away straight away. But there was, while they were looking at that one, they also found one that was right in the middle of mm. my brain that they didn't know how to get to. And so they said, let's leave it, see if it grows fast or slow, see what happens to it. it obviously, it grew fast, mm. right? So within two years, they called me back in, they said, we're going to have to take this one out. So I said, how are you going to do it? Mm. And Shirley was standing there in the doctors with me, and uh, he said, we're going to Open, take the lid off the metal plate that they put on, go back down the middle of the brain, open that up. There's going to be all sorts of collateral damage while they do it. It's far too dangerous. And uh, he said, but we're going to cut it out. Mm. And so Shirley said, nope, we're not doing that. Did you? And I, and I remember clearly saying, looking at Shirley saying, Shirley, stop. You're not a doctor. Let the guy do what he wants to do. You know, like every man does, you know. And uh, so mm. I said, let's get on with it. And Shirley said, no, we're not doing that. And so she went away and her, and George phoned around everywhere looking for an alternate way to do it. And they come up with a guy called Professor Black. Yeah, I think it was in Boston. And he called me one night and he said, uh, there is a a different way to do this. He said, we've never tried it before on the type of brain tumor you've got, but if you want to give it a go, it's going to be better Mm. than having it because it's not invasive well, and actually to have a second surgery. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, when you've got, especially because well, the surgeon... Well, he, he said to me, it's going to cause all sorts of yeah, problems. Yeah, like, you, know. you won't be able to walk, you, you'll yeah, go blind. It is. But he called me and one night, this it. Professor Black, and he called me and he said, uh, oh, I want to give it a go with, in a different way. And he said, the machine that we've got is only one in the world. He said, uh, that I want you to go to us. Okay, okay, I was going to go anywhere. Mm. You know, he said, it's 20 minutes from your house. God. He said, it's in Bart's Hospital. So uh, we went down there, didn't we? Yeah. And um, they zapped it. And since then, brain tumor, yeah. gamma thera- uh, therapy, gamma knife gamma therapy, gamma therapy yeah. is huge now. Isn't so that much amazing? Yeah. Incredible, yeah. And you were saying during that period, that's interesting what you said about therapy. We can walk, should we walk? We yeah, yeah. Um, let's do it. Um, it's interesting because I'm, I'm a big 
fan of therapy. Should we go around this edge of the yeah. path here? No mud Let's here. Stand apart, yeah. <laughs> have you had therapy, you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, after that. Do you I'm both just... have it? Oh, I've, I've had real alternative therapy, real shame and stuff. I've had, things I've had real nice show. <laughs> I've, I've gone <laughs> to other worlds with my therapy. <laughs> Martin, were you... I'm not making assumptions about no. men and gender, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think sometimes, not men always. Men don't like to do it. Yeah, I sometimes agree. men are more reluctant. Yeah, and, and I was reluctant, and Shirley kind of tricked me into it. Yeah. Right, she sent me to this fella, and she told me that it was a massage, <laughs> right? And uh, it wasn't. Sorry, that is really. Yeah. Just so, a nice so while he was while he was, while he was massaging my back and my head right he started to do therapy and he started to talk to me and I, what i realized was i would go there cry my eyes out every morning right and just open up to him it's really good to talk to that guy that masseur like, oh, yeah. is the guy is the therapist ringing up going shirley i can't keep doing this massage yeah. thing i'm right, so a professional it was, psychologist exactly. it was win-win <laughs> But, yeah. but that is interesting, and I think you and you were saying about crying. A lot of men do get associate that with weakness, and oh, I've never done that. No, though. Martin's I think, always been. Uh, I think. Been, uh, yeah, you've always been. Um, listen, really I grew up as an actor, you know, you, where yes. you try and make yourself cry. That's, that, yeah. I think that's so, part of the attraction is that he knew his sensitive side really? and embraced who's, it. Um, who's more likely to cry out of you two? Do you? Fifty-fifty. Which one? Do you <laughs> When you argue, which I'm sure never happens, never. If you, <laughs> who's the peacemaker? Martin. Always. Shirley can't. Shirley cannot say sorry. It's very hard to say sorry. Yeah. For years. Shirley's in a half over here. What do you do? Um, I no, will go. I, I will go over to Shirley and I would try and say sorry and, and say let's forget about no, you it. Give me the and smile Shirley first. and Shirley cannot. Forget about it for at least two days. No, now he gives me this smile, and I'm like, okay, we're back on. So good. Or, or she might. Off? That's what we say. Are we back on, yeah. We're back on. Or she goes to stay with Harley, our daughter, for a day, <laughs> and they get over it. Oh. <laughs> I'm not an arguer. I don't like arguing. I don't mind. Just, we I, don't I just, argue though. I just we walk out. We don't argue that Let much. Let me get over it. Let me deal with it. We don't argue that much, no, do we? No. You know? Because I grew up with parents. Who yeah, argue we don't. Constantly. Yeah. And I was a very sick child, and I think most of my my illnesses came from tension of listening to parents argue. And I think that's such a cruel thing to do to children is like create a household where the parents are arguing See, and shouting. But, but Shirley's really funny as well, and she she makes me laugh all the time. So. Yes, like, I can see there's a very playful dynamic between you two. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember someone saying once, it was actually a therapist who said to me, that that's when what keeps a relationship going is that sense of, I suppose, respect for each other. Yeah. Of course it is. And then yeah. they always said that word contempt. When contempt creeps in, that's yeah. when it's over. Yeah. And yeah, you can really sense it. You know when couples sort of have a playful exchange and there's just a tone which is like I'm angry about other but stuff. But we can laugh at each other. Yeah. Because and also because what we've gone through of Martin being so seriously ill, you stop sweating the small stuff. Yeah. And you just have like your my gratitude for everything was was you know was doubled when when Martin was sick. If we argued, I should think, oh, it's so lucky that you're here that we're arguing. I just was so happy that he got through what he had gone through because it was huge. I, mean, I think that stays with you forever, you know. Yeah, yeah it changes you as a person. You're yeah. never the same again. Any sort of yeah. trauma like that, I think you just... Yeah, because you hit, 
you know, you hit rock bottom. Yeah. And that was absolutely the, the lowest we could ever imagine going. Yeah. So, come here, um, come you know, we, we didn't, do, it wasn't just my health, we lost everything. It was like starting the scratch. And it had financial scratch. implications. Oh, everything. Goodness, yeah, everything was hit. Your health, your finance. But then you future. know who your friends are as well. It's and such I, a raw feeling. Yeah. And you see life for what it really is. And sometimes it's an incredible thing to happen to you because it's the biggest wake-up call you could ever imagine. And it keep, keeps you grounded. And I think it definitely kept Martin and I grounded. And I think even my children experience, you know, from what they remember is their dad was sick and how we stick together as a family. You'd said, Martin, I really respected how honest you were about Spandau Valley. You've told some really funny stories. You said your egos had just got enormous. And oh, yeah, of course. And do you leave, you leave the planet, you know. Do you think so? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you, you end up living in a bubble when you're, you, you know, we, I always think back in the 80s, you know, the two biggest bands were us and Duran Duran. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we kind of, we, <laughs> well, no, I'm saying early on, <laughs> Okay, yeah. I, no, I'm so, you know, I'm talking about proper bands. <gasps> no, Martin, I'm don't, <laughs> you're not welcome uh, on no, this walk anymore. No, but, but we were like, no, but we were like a, a classic band. band. No, hang on, we were like a classic band with guitars and drums and bass oh, right. and that kind of band, like the Beatles. Yeah, but then you went stagnant, weapons, Martin. Yeah, the, but we were like, the, you yeah, know, like I, the Beatles. I was a stagnant one. I didn't have a. Oh, bench. I'm going home in a minute. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Martin, we love you. <laughs> you know what I saw recently, because I was so excited to meet you two, because yeah. I've been a big right. fan of both of yours in your respective fields. And, well, it's kind of the same fields, but, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know what I saw, which really almost made me cry, mm. was um, there's a clip of your This Is Your Life, Martin, uh, yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. And Shirley, looking very glam, in a lovely gown. Ghost dress. Was it ghost? Red ghost, I thought yeah. it was. Yeah. And there was that bit at the end where George Michael came on, and I almost yeah. burst into tears. Yeah, because I can't watch that. Yeah. I'm not I can't surprised. even watch that. Yeah. He just, he said, I'm going to so cry when I remember. I, well, he was almost crying. He, said, he looked at me and he said, I'm going to cry. It was oh. like he was had he, such a lump in his throat when he said it. He came on and he said, I just want to say, Martin, you're one of the most kind-hearted people I'll ever meet. And I want to thank you for looking after, taking care of my best friend. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my it's God. Hard. It was so yeah. hard. And I could tell. I thought, he's going wobbly. He's going to cry. And I remember yeah. thinking, I'm going to cry. It's, it's all gone now. But, uh, yeah. How and does that feel? So what a lovely tribute to have that with yeah. that friendship that you had. And... I'm so sorry that you lost him because I feel with all of that and it becomes this public figure and it becomes a thing and you lost your friend and that's exactly. awful. To us he was just a mate, our friend, right? And it's part of our family and you lose someone like that and it was the first time I experienced that you had that grief inside the house where usually you can walk outside and forget that grief. You know, obviously it's still there but it's not as bad. But with, with losing George it was like you walked outside of the house yeah. and it was even bigger. Because yeah, everybody it was really else hard. was grieving. I didn't want to leave home. I remember I had I was at Heathrow Airport like six or eight, seven months later. This lady just came running up to me, hugged me so hard. She was, I'm so sorry. And I'm thinking, who or what? Why? She, and then she started talking about George. And it was like, wow, everywhere. If I went to the supermarket, I'd have people just coming up to me going, I'm so sorry. I couldn't get away from it. And in the end, I felt like I just couldn't leave the house for a while because people were now feeling sorry for me that I'd lost my friend, especially after we did the Brits, because it was such a heartfelt tribute to him. 
from me, Andrew and Pepsi. Yes. I thought, oh no, I've even made it worse now because now people are feeling sorry for me and I'm, I'm tough enough to get through it because I've had, I think been the other side of my life, I've really been well loved. Yeah. by my friends and my family and I think that makes you a much stronger person yeah so it was very uh, yeah, it was strange hard. experience that it, it, it was really hard to get through you know because of that yeah. it wasn't like you could keep the grief inside your house you know it was, no. it was everywhere people always say that grief is like when love feels like it has no place to go and I suppose people feel that even more with someone they didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Because I understand it completely. But yeah. it's difficult when yeah. it's your mate. And obviously yeah. your relationship is very different. You know, that's a private, personal yeah. relationship. So it's, well, no wonder you were such, he loved you and adored you so much as friends. Because you seem like very loyal, good friends. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, yeah, we are. We're very... And not many, he didn't know many people before he was famous that knew him, if you know what I mean. So it's like feeling comfortable and, and trust is a big issue. Yeah. So you out. guys, what's interesting is that you're working together now, which I love. Yeah. Because you're doing the album, you're going on tour. On tour. You've got a couple of dates coming up. Yep. Is it yeah, Manchester with, and Birmingham? Bir yep. Birmingham on the 16th and Manchester on the 23rd. Doing the symphony halls there, you know, what we're starting incredible. small. incredible. This is a whole, like, as I say, talking earlier, when I'd lost my mojo and gone stagnant. <laughs> I'm now singing with an orchestra, which really is, you know, up the, the mojo. Oh. As, as the other night... I really switched on the, now. The other night, honestly, violins. the other night, right, when we were doing the uh, Royal Festival Hall... Yeah. And uh, I love that I you was, can just throw that in. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I was, I was coming. I was coming. We had a sixty-piece orchestra, and I was coming on one side, and Shirley was coming on the other. Oh, yeah. And I looked at Shirley in this incredible flowing dress. She oh. looked absolutely stunning. Oh. And I thought, uh, and I, I, I had this thought in my head saying, "That's why we're doing it." And we because, were singing oh. just the way you look tonight, which was yeah. so apt, and we chose that song. Well, actually, it was Roman who said you and Mum Dad should sing that song well, to what, each other. Way you look, old way and you I, remember look tonight, when, yeah. I remember we were singing, I had this moment where I just suddenly became aware that we are singing to each other just the way you look tonight, and Martin's in this, looking incredible in this tuxedo. I'm thinking, wow, this is so authentic. We really are singing this funny, song to each other. It was a funny experience that yeah. the other night, because it was just like we're singing to each other without anybody watching. How it lovely is, though. It's really and nice. And how nice to know that your best friend and your partner is with you all the time. Do you know what I well, mean? Well, you know what? So it this, it goes back you. to that bit I was saying when <laughs> Shirley got stagnant. Yes. <laughs> no, I was saying, like, it goes back to that bit when... Can I just tell you where we've we are an important for moment the gone. listeners? Yeah. Well, we're under this little ivy arch in Kenwood and yeah. Martin used to be the troll in here. Oh, yeah, And, that's and the right, kids, yeah. Harley and Roman, used to stand at the end and they had to run in. Then he would be running and yeah, I'm just having scary. a moment. This is what makes me tearful when I have oh, moment, memories yeah. of my kids. So, so this little lovely. bit, Harley used to love it because Martin yeah. had to be the troll and she has to try and run in this little arch in Kenwood and you it's a magical be, little space. This <laughs> is so, I'm so pleased for you, though, that your kids seem really grounded decent people they you know? are yeah, really they are. grounded yeah, absolutely. and decent and not they've both materialistic got incredible work ethics which huge I love. hearts yeah. but they've grown up with that they've grown up with real emotion and you know that both martin and i our parents were real working class people and they had their grandparents when they were little 
and uh, they still kind of talk about you know how some of the sayings what my, my mum would come out with like <laughs> just hysterical you wouldn't hear people talk like that anymore when you were in EastEnders Martin yeah that was that's a that's a sort of level of fame which is actually very intrusive isn't it where it's oh, daily you, you have to I think they know you I think yeah. you have to remember as well how many people a week watch that show you know 70 million people a night used to watch yeah. it when we did it so it you was can't turn it off, humongous. Kind of you can't turn it off. It was just a level above everything that I'd ever experienced. Great experience. Are we going for tea? But did you feel with your kids? Mm. Did you feel Shirley as well? That was like, okay, this is getting like because presumably kids at school and things. That's yeah. when that starts. Becoming... It really affected Harley, and we had to find. She, they were both at state school in Highgate, and then we moved to Hertfordshire because. Uh, it was also nearer to where Martin was filming EastEnders, so we could see her a lot more. And Harley was really affected, so in the end I had to put her in this tiny little private school. Yeah. There was only 11 in the classroom, because she didn't like the fact that everyone knew who her dad was, and that was her dad, and she didn't like it. And they called him Steve Owen, so that upset her even more. So, uh, That's right, yeah. Whereas Roman had a totally different take on it. He was really proud of his dad and thought it was fantastic that everyone knew who his dad was. Ray loved it. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, he dined out on it. Honestly, I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed oh, chatting with you. Lovely really it. It's been lovely yeah, meeting Ray. Lovely. I think Ray's getting cold now, isn't he? I know. Oh. I love your dog and I think you're absolutely lovely. So yeah. I might have Thank to give you. you a hug. I'm really sorry Come I'm muddy. Not oh, we did a group hug. <laughs> a group hug. <laughs> a group hug with and Shirley Kemp. And Ray in the middle. <laughs> I'm actually going to die. I'm so happy. <laughs> it's lovely to meet you too. Great to meet you. It's lovely talking to you. Ray, Ray, give Martin and Shirley a kiss. See you, Ray. Bye, Ray, Ray. Mm. Martin? He's a lovely boy. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>